before we officially start, I must give a special shout out to the boys over at Recovery. Much like myself and the lads, Chris and Ian are a couple of rugby fanatics like we all are. And they've created various products with recovery in mind based around natural CBD remedies. Head over to their Instagram page or website and use the code FREEBLOKES. That's the number three followed by BLOKES for 10% off all their natural products and feel the benefit today. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 101, that is right, 101 of Three Blokes and a Rugby League podcast. Callum, Woody Wood and Jed Amos Goodard are with me today as we welcome in the weekend that was from the NRL, Super League and the entire globe of Rugby League. First of all, I just want to personally take um, a bit of time just to thank everybody for listening to our podcast in general, obviously, everybody knows we just reached the 100 mark last week with a special interview with Tommy Makinson. Um, myself and Jed have obviously been there from the start. Woody's chipped in from, from the halfway mark and he's absolutely loving it now. I just wanted to say a few words. Thank you, everybody, for, for the listenership and continued support. We can't ever thank anyone enough. We had us three normal blokes talking about rugby league. So, yeah, I know, Jed, you want to say a few bits as well before we move on. Yeah, just really appreciate it to everyone who's who's listened, uh, everyone who's, who's shared our stuff on Instagram, on Twitter, who's got involved with all the polls that we do, who's just liked it. Uh, just as friends and family, it might not be the, the, the main interest, but they've given it a listen and give us feedback, which is very much appreciated uh, from my regards. And I'd just like to thank yourself, Jamie, you would, and to thank Joss as well, obviously, who was at the start. Um, it's been a pleasure to do it all with you. And uh, like I said on Facebook the other day, bring on 200. Um, I don't know if you've anything you want to add to that, Woody. Yeah, just for me, mate, time to raise the bat again. And it's obviously a massive achievement hitting 100 for you two boys, especially. It's been an absolute privilege to get on board of it. And I've loved every second of the 40, 50 odd pods I've done and been a part of. Easy to lose track. So, um, like you said, we love churning out content for listeners, love chatting to our special guests along the way. So, here's a few hundred more, starting with episode 101 this week. And I'm going to kick off with Player of the Round again. And I'm going to get first honours on it. and so it's not going to be a surprising name by any stretch. He's a player who this season has weirdly been a bit overshadowed at times by other players playing in the same position as him. He's found tries quite hard to come by, but he's having another excellent season, so doubt him at your peril. The one and only James Tedesco. This week especially, outrageous numbers. 318 metres, three line breaks, three line break assists, four try assists, 12 tackle breaks, a forced dropout, even attempted a conversion. Just ridiculous, and he seems to have Stepped it back up a notch just in time for the playoffs. And Jamie, I'll let you follow that on then with your player of the round, mate. Yes, mate. I was very close to picking Teddy myself. I thought I'd bottle it and let, let you pick that one, mate. But yeah, I've gone with Ronaldo Molitalo. I know he's a, he's a big favourite of mine. I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out because it's against my uh, my boys, the Tigers. But if anybody watched the game, he was absolutely outstanding. He got six tackle breaks, three line breaks, two tries. Should have got a hat-trick, but actually was through to the try line with 10 minutes to go. Gave the ball to Luke Metcalf. Um, first ever NRL try. Big up to, to Ronaldo Molotaro. That's a big effort, that, because it's not every day you have the chance to get an NRL hat-trick. Um, and then he ended the game with a broken jaw. You know, and he and he, he almost looked like he wanted to play on as well. He's put the x-rays up on social media today. He's got two fractures in his jaw. That's probably him out for the season, which is a big, big loss for the Cronulla Southern Sharks. But yeah, Ronaldo Molotaro for being a top bloke on the field, scoring a couple of tries and then having to, uh, to end his game early with a broken jaw. Um, over to you, Jed. Who's yours? Um, well, up until about 10 seconds ago, I was going to go James Tedesco. I know me and Woody had picked the same person anyway, uh, but I can't really add anything to what Woody said. He covered it pretty much everything that you can say about Teddy. Um, I will throw in the little tidbit that we discussed in pre-pod that last week when Teddy scored it against Brisbane, it was his first try since round five, uh, which is probably the longest drought of his career. But in a, in a season of unbelievable fullbacks that we've been treated to. He's still continuously lived up to expectations and ex exceeded and beyond times. And as at times has actually carried the roosters on his own. Um, but I won't go for uh, Tedesco. I'm going to go for Isaiah Yeo, who was excellent against the Bunnies this week, um, really led from the front. And, and, and you really got to see his passing ability um, and every, every sort of attribute that he has in the game and really leads that Panthers pack around the park, especially when they were missing some key men in, in such as uh, James Fisher-Harris, and he really led. And that will segue me nicely onto the first game, which was the game that I covered, uh, which was the Penrith Panthers 25, South Sydney Rabbitohs 12. And it was a game that the Bunnies would have definitely been feeling the pressure to win a little bit more than the Panthers. 
because of the absolute drubbing that they received uh, in Dubbo all the way back in round 11. Um, but it was, in fact, the Panthers who showed guys and prowess to completely dominate the second half to take the, the two points. I mean, if I'd have told you at full time, the scoreline would be at 25-12 in favour of the, the Penrith. So I told you that after half an hour, you'd have been shocked because in the first 30 minutes, the Bunnies were firing on all cylinders and, and they really took it to the Pampers and, and it took sort of Penrith a, a bit of time to, to steady the ship and I feel that was probably the South Sydney's game plan to go out there and, and blow them off the park, which we've seen Penrith do to so many teams across the last two seasons. But South Sydney took the initiative to do that. But Penrith showed how much of a quality side they are to, to weather that storm, give it to, to Bunny's back and not only give him it back, but actually do one better than what they did and obviously end up taking the points and, 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 and putting in a pretty convincing victory, if I'm being honest. Damian Cook was at his best, though, in this game. He was poking and prodding around the rook, testing in the defence, and it's one of these runs that was the first real highlight, escaping three players to make a 40-metre break up field, and it's something that I love watching about Damian Cook. He's my favourite type of hooker. I know you've got your different types of hookers. You've got sort of your organisational hookers or your game management's a la Cam Smith. But my favourite type of hooker is your Damien Cook type of hooker who's going to provide that little bit of spark, that little bit of electricity out of absolutely nothing and that can really turn a game on its head and, and, and create something that you weren't particularly expecting. And that's what the, he, he did in this game continuously and, and tried to always get the bunnies on the front foot. But the Panthers were just a bit more clinical and a bit more precise with absolutely everything they did, especially as the game progressed. Um, they only had eight errors compared to the 11 errors for the Bunnies. They had 86% completion versus the 74% completion for the Bunnies. And they had an additional 200 run metres, an additional 250 kick metres, mainly down to one man. And that one man is uh, the ever impressive Nathan Cleary. Um, if I was awarding man of the matches based purely on the second half, then he would win hands down because he absolutely called controlled everything about that stanza. His bombs tormented Josh Manson and Latrell Mitchell um, all game and resulted in back-to-back set for the Panthers on numerous occasions. And it was quite unusual to see sort of a lack of communication between Latrell and, and, and Josh Mansour. Um, twice they let the ball bounce in between them. I mean, we've been been watching rugby league, playing rugby league all his lives. One of the first things you're ever told is don't let a rugby ball bounce because it's so unpredictable. So the fact that they did that would cast some uncertainties in my mind about how safe they are under the high balls. And if I were one of the other teams who were going to be facing them in the playoffs, I would be doing that all game long, testing them, seeing what they're like. But it's just strange because we know how strong Latrell is at returning the ball from kicks. So I don't know what really was happening. It may be a blip, but they, they need to get more prepared now because teams are going to be absolutely targeting them all throughout the playoff series. Um Panthers did have to reshuffle as well at the start of the game. They lost Dylan Edwards. He succumbed to a HIA, but Stephen Crichton slots in so well and as if he's been there all along. 185 run metres, most in the game. He got a try, four tackle busts, always looked safe from the kicks and didn't concede a single penalty or error all night. He is a pure talent. And he actually, 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 um, diffused a chip into the corner, one-handed, dragged it down, turned and stopped from going on his own try line, which was... I mean, to do that at any level is incredible, but to do that in the NRL against the Bunnies shows what an unbelievable talent that that man is. The, this could have a severe effect now on the, the Bunnies going forward. They really, really needed to win this game. And the fact that Penrith won this game with, with missing a litany of key, not really a litany, but missing a few key players. Dylan Edwards went off really early, which forced him down to one one less man on the bench. Um They had James Fisher Harris missing. They had Brian Toto missing. Key, key men for them. Uh, and they still won it, and, and they look like they could still take it up another gear, which if they are going to challenge Melbourne, they're probably going to have to do. Um, Wayne Bennett probably will try and not let it affect him too much. He'll rally the troops again, uh, but it's going to be really, really frustrating to, to lose in this manner uh, to a team that most likely they're going to be facing in, in the first round of the playoffs. Second versus third, you would presume it's going to be these two teams playing against each other. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how... Uh, both teams prepare coming up to that game if it that indeed that is the way that it goes. Um, to wrap up my points, as mentioned, my player of the week is Ayo got five points, Damian Cook four, Nathan Cleary three, Stephen Crichton two, and Campbell Graham one. Up next, um, I will throw it over to Woody. Um, I don't think Jamie wants to talk about this game too much, uh, but it was the West Tigers 20, Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, West pretty much out of the running, or if not, Matt, definitely out of the running. Uh, what did you reckon to the game, Woody? Just happy to watch someone else's team get pumped for a change, mate. It's been a rough few weeks, but uh, yeah, first ever game in Rockhampton after round 20's false start. 
I say two teams desperate for a win to keep their top eight prospects alive, realistically. And unfortunately for someone here, it looks like it's the Tigers season, which is dead and buried. So obviously, which my heart absolutely bleeds. On the flip side, Sharks alive and kicking, racked up a half century, most ever points against the Tigers. And to be honest, they weren't quite as dominant as the scoreline actually suggests for me. You look at it kind of stats for team-wise, they're pretty similar throughout, but the big difference for me is that Sharks back three. Ronaldo Militalo, who Jamie mentioned as a player of the round, Sione Katoa, Will Kennedy, between the three of them, all game, making massive gains, breaks at will, often straight up the middle, and usually with someone in support. Like you said, Militalo had time to pop off to Luke Metcalf in support. And a few times recently, I've sounded manly out as one of, if not the best back threes in the competition. Whilst obviously they're not quite one of the big boys in the NRA, I think this Shark trio is right up there on their day. Tigers actually took an early lead and were pushing for more. Controversially denied one, but between the 10th and 55th minutes, Sharks worked five unanswered tries and mainly through those previously mentioned. Another late rally from Tigers, crept them back into striking distance, but Cronulla then finished with a flourish to add three more and, and strolled to that 50 points mark. Alongside those, those speedsters at back three, who scored two each for the, the Sharks, halves are absolutely excellent. Braden Trindle got four try assists, 14 points off the tee. Luke Metcalf ended up with a double. And I've seen Tigers play much worse recently. So Jamie probably would agree, but this result sums up their season and this current outfit, really. Billy Walters coming off the bench to miss seven tackles. That Adam Dewey disallowed tries a bit of a head-scratcher and controversial, but you know, Sharks, well worth their win there. Don't know if you had any quick comments on the game, Jamie, as a fan of the Tigers. but Yes, mate. Obviously, it's the first time I've, I've not covered the Tigers this year. Just for anybody listening who's a tad confused, we, from now on, we're kind of going to take one key game each going forward in, in detail, and then the best of the rest we'll chat about afterwards. But yeah, you've you got the Tigers game this week, mate. And, I mean, watching the game, in the middles, again, we were absolutely pathetic. Like, I, I'm with you, mate. Kennedy, Katoa, Mulatalo, three of the strongest kick return uh, players in the game, if I'm honest, and arguably the best back three in the game as well. But just middles defenders falling off tackles, not making efforts, going for like ankle taps when they should be getting the shoulder in. Just downright pathetic. And if, especially when the season's on the line, everyone knows we've got Penrith next week. It's probably going to be another pasting. Um, but mathematically, and I keep saying mathematically, before this game, we stood a chance of making the eight. We've had a, a decent couple of wins in the past couple of weeks. You've got to just stand up, make an effort against this Cronulla team. We're also trying to get in the eight and also a bit nervy. You're both playing on an unfamiliar ground, so it's not like you're a, an away game. I just think our efforts to sum it up what we are at the minute and we don't deserve playing for Blake. And somehow we're still mathematically in with a chance. I think about 99.9% .9 it won't happen now. Um, but yeah, just pathetic, mate. Just pathetic in the middle and uh, kind of looking forward for the season to be wrapped up for us, I think. We'll be there, mate. And now, to summarise my points then, it's obviously a Sharks clean sweep. Ronaldo Militalo with the five, Luke Metcalf with four, Sione Cato with three, Braden Trindle two, and Will Kennedy with one. Now, I'll bounce it back to you, Jamie. Then you got to watch the Brisbane Broncos sneak past the Warriors 24-22. How was that one, mate? Yes, but on me, I picked this one out just because I think it was once again the Warriors that were on that bit of a roll and, and looking as an outside chance. And Brisbane are arguably, mate, one of the most on form teams this year in the NRL. Uh, sorry, this, this past couple of weeks in the NRL. Definitely not this year, but you know, you've got the Storm and you've got the Panthers who are coming good again and, and the Bunnies are doing well. But Brisbane have, have been sneakily doing really well this past three or four weeks. I thought it'd be a bit of a barn burner. And I know, all right, to be fair, 24 22, really close game. And the Brisbane train continues to roll on. They seem to have almost peaked at the wrong stage of the season, but it's, it's not through lack of prediction for everybody in, in the know, if I'm honest. They're capable of winning games through quality, um, but now they're actually showing some adversity and, and determination in, in battles in the game, you know, key battles in the game, whether it's a case of the fact they've got rid of Lodge, Pengai Jr., maybe people who thought they were being held back by, but yeah, it's one of them at the minute, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on next year. Warriors really needed this. You know, they, they had an outside chance of making the playoffs. They were working off momentum, but I think it was just a little bit too much for them in the end, and despite some dodgy decisions both ways. I'll, I'll actually get straight stuck into the first decision, and I might even bounce it back to you two lads, just because this is arguably one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life. That's including the Steve Ganson cock-up in the whole derby in the Millennium, uh, sorry, the Magic Weekend many, many years ago. Um Xavier Coates, you and Aiken both going for the ball, both arguably touched the ball within about a second of each other over the line. 
Um, everybody in the dog, everybody in the stadium, everybody watching at home, the commentary, everybody on the pitch was, was even lining up for a, for a try. Uh, sorry, for a no try. And it, everyone could see that Xavier Coates put the ball down first. Everybody could see that. But then it popped up and they said, yep, yeah, Ewan Aitken has evidently put the ball down first. We're going for a try with the New Zealand Warriors. Blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, what on earth is going on? It's like it's almost like it's a joke or a computer game where you're being treated against. It's just, I just cannot, I couldn't fathom the decision towards it. I don't know if you saw this, Woody, it was just mind-blowing, like mind-blowingly amateur. I'm with you, mate. It's one of the worst I've seen and probably one of the worst you will see. I have no idea how they came to that decision. You can hear on the commentary when it came up, you know, they're saying this is going up as a no-try and they're kind of flabbergasted when it went up and can only think that they've kind of tricked themselves into thinking it was Aitken's arm where it was coached and so, you know, kind of stuck with that decision. But yeah, it was, it was awful, mate. I have no idea how, you know, that sneaks through in the NRL. Just absolutely terrible, wasn't it, Jenna? I, I don't fully know if you've seen the game, but even just regarding th- these bunker decisions, just have to be have to be dealt with, don't they? It, it was really poor, and I think it was Henry Perinaru was the it was the video ref at the time, and it's, it's a, a pretty good ref to be honest. So it's not as if it's someone who's got form, but I would imagine that he will have some repercussions for this. He might get dropped for a couple of weeks, but there's no excuse in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's just all you need to do is just listen to Cooper Cronk's reaction to when it gets given as a try, and that should be enough on its own. It's like an, a really, really poor. It's, it's, I, just, I can't even describe. It's not even a decision. It's just a completely incorrect call, and there's no gr- basis that you could make that call on. Really, really poor. Luckily, it didn't affect the result too much. Obviously, Broncos went on to win, but obviously, if they hadn't done it, it'd have been an even bigger bone of contention. So, probably justice that the Broncos did win in the end, mate. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's almost a bit of, bit of solitude that it's, that it's actually a bit of a dumbed-down game. It doesn't really mean much in the long run and obviously it didn't mean that the Warriors picked up a win either. Um, very much so with that. I felt Bruce being utilised Xavier Coates and Corey Oates really, really well during the game, almost perfectly. In terms of how you think they should have been using in the past two or three seasons, you know, we know what they're like. They're both big, they're both strong, they're both tall, they're both powerful. They start the sets off brilliantly. They both pack the ball inside when a, when a when a bomb goes up into the corner. They both score tries when they need to. We know Corey Oates has been a bit out of favour in the past 18 months for Brisbane. It sounds like he's, he's getting a bit of form back. And obviously, Xavier Coates is getting his chance now after kind of that Melbourne Storm announcement. I, I still think, obviously, we'll go, go into it at the start of next year. Xavier Coates is going to rip, rip the NRL up next year at Melbourne Storm. I, I'm frightened, actually. I think he's going to be an unbelievable player. Talking about someone who's, who's not been so unbelievable in, in, his, in the past three or four years, Anthony Milford, he actually decided he wanted to play in this game. He's, he's one of the most frustrated players I've ever seen watching rugby league. He can win a game on his own when things are going his way, but that seems to genuinely be about one in every 15 performances these days. But he was right up for it in this game. You know, he got one try, 149 run metres from 19 runs, one line break, two line break assists, two try assists, five tackle breaks, and even touched the ball 66 times, the second most of any Broncos player. That is so unlike Anthony Milford. He's usually the one who, who's probably touching it about 30 times, usually in a game. Evidently, I don't know if it's the fact he, met, he, met, he feels as though he meshed well with Albert Kelly. Um, we know what the Warriors' defence is like. They're not a team that's really known for, for the defensive efforts unless he woke up a bit. Very very surprising. It's actually really interesting to see how he's going to transition it for his transfer with the Bunnies as well. So we shall see with that one. I think it was kind of, kind of evident just rounding off as well that both teams had a lot of respect for their opposition's forward packs. On their day, these two sides, the Broncos and the Warriors, have absolutely formidable middles. I don't know why I've written that as a right tongue twister, but this this shows that you know the majority of these tries were actually scored down the flanks in this game. And there was really no way through the middle. I think one try in the entire game was actually scored through the middle, so fair play to, to both sides for that one. Um the decision to change Sean O'Sullivan for Chad Townsend really puzzled me. I couldn't find anywhere that he picked up a knock. I might be wrong on that one. But certainly must bring some criticism. Since going to the Warriors, Chad Townsend is now 0-4 and whilst playing. Um, he's not won a single game since rejoining the club. And obviously, they've been on that recent winning streak of the Warriors with, with Sean O'Sullivan in the heart with, with Chanel Harris-Tavita. Um, don't know if there's a, a bit of a lack of belief in, in O'Sullivan, but personally, I don't think you should really change a winning formula, especially when you're heading for playoff rugby league. Um, bit risky, it didn't pull off. You don't know if it came down to that, but um, it's something they'll probably learn from. Last but not least, Peter Riku, Jed, is coming to you at the Cowboys. He's one of these players, spoke about a couple of weeks ago, very rarely has a bad performance, almost very much underrated. 
that that flick pass for that try for dealing with Tenny's Lesniak in the corner was genuinely world class and one of the best I've ever seen, mate. No, it's not only the flick; it's the fact that he clearly planned to do the flick. He carried the ball to draw in the man to flick it out the back. It's not as if a lot of flick passes that we see in rugby league they're done because they can't, they've got no other way to pass the ball. It's the only one. He could have passed the ball normally and he chose not to. He chose to draw the winger to flick it out to put in his winger to score, to put in Dallin with tennis Lesnar to score. It was beautifully executed and that is why we call him Peter Flicku for that exact reason. It was an excellent try. The, not just that bit, it was actually really well-worked uh, set play from the Warriors was that one. And the, the the finish in itself was just beautiful. It was an excellent try, mate. I really enjoyed it. Definitely, mate. And what a signing for you boys next year. I'd be really looking forward to him up at the Cowboys. And purely because of that, and he actually did have a really good game. I gave him one point in this game and I played the season round. Tessie New, who impressed once again, I gave him two. Adding for Newell Blake, who is just starting to pick up a bit of form again after that awful knee injury, I gave him three points. Payne Haas, I didn't really speak about him. Absolutely brilliant in this game. Once again, I gave him four. Man of the moment, Anthony Milford, I gave him five points in this game. Um, just rounding up the rest of the round, lads, NRL round 23, best of the rest. It started with Gold Coast Titans, 20 Melbourne Storm, 34. Good game, this. And once again, another really good challenge for Melbourne. Um, a lot of these games are coming thick and fast for them, it seems. And I, I feel as though the performances are actually slowly dipping, if I'm honest, but they're still managing to grind out wins. And that's what Craig Bellamy is good at. He's resting key players now as we come into the back end of the season, but their squad is so, so good. They can still get through these games. Jaden Campbell was absolutely superb in the absence of AJ Brimson. And Woody, just coming to you quickly, mate, there's been a lot of talk coming into next year that Jaden Campbell is improving so much um, that there's talk of maybe putting him at one and AJ Brimson at six. Have you seen enough personally from AJ Brimson? Do you think he can, he can transition into the six jersey? Probably not seen enough personally at the minute. I know he came in as a fullback and also playing the halves. And so Jaden Campbell's made a really good start to his NRL career, and he's going to want to remain as a starter, especially if he finishes off the season well these next few weeks. But if AJ can have as much influence at six as he usually does at one, then awesome. Like Ash Taylor is going to be a backup at best, but I think Toby Sexton's another one who's done really well stepping in. So hopefully this doesn't mean that he has to start looking elsewhere. Like I say, he's had probably as good an impact as Jaden Campbell. Yeah, definitely, mate. He is stick finished, Jaden Campbell, at the minute. I think if he put on a bit of size, he could do a decent job at 14. You know, you think of Brimson, uh, Sexton, Fogarty, um, and they've got a couple of decent nines at the Titans as well. Last but not least, Jim, just on touching on this game, it's, it's been a bit of a recurrence the past couple of weeks. David Feet has been picking up a bit of form off the bench, but I think there's a reason why he's been put on the bench, because he isn't starting games too well. And then you look at a bit of a forgotten man this season in Tino Fatasu Malawi, one of one of my personal favourites last season and the start of this season. Both of us dipping in form, aren't they, mate? Or even not in any form at all. How are the Titans meant to utilise these blokes to get the best out of them? I think it needs a little bit more consistency from the Titans as a whole because there's one of the teams that you don't really know what type of performance they're going to turn up and put in. Um, they've come Tino especially has come from a team where in the storm that you know what you're getting week in week out and they're very regimented and I think it might take a while for him to sort of acclimatise to how the Titans are they're still trying to find a little bit more of fluidity in their consistency in their performance where if you look at David Feet who's probably had a, been the best one of the best forwards for the Titans had a better season than Tino he was coming from Brisbane who again, we knew, they were so inconsistent and more, if anything, poor week in, week out. So maybe the adjustment going to a club like the Titans has been easier for him to acclimatise to. Um, but I think it might have just been a settling in period. It's really hard to judge a player on the first season at a new club because especially moving across the country, like it's not as if they're moving down the road. Melbourne to Gold Coast is like it's like a two and a half hour flight. It's a really big way to a brand new area. So I feel like it's, it's, it's they've done okay, but next season will when they'll be really expecting them to kick on and live up to the price tag that they've got. Superb stuff, mate. Just rounding off the usual suspects here for me. Cam Munster, five points. Josh Adokar, four points. Ryan Pappenhausen, three. Jaden Campbell, impressive once again with two points. And Harry Grant with one point. Yeah, up next then with uh, Manly just about sneaking past Canberra Raiders, 19 points to 18. Without their star man, obviously, and they were 12-0 down at half-time, staring down the barrel a bit. But you know, if there's any team you're playing against who are the masters of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, then that's the Canberra Raiders. And this is the seventh time this season they've lost the game after holding a double-digit lead. They've really only got themselves to blame if they miss out on the top eight because of this. Manly come back with three unanswered tries in the second half. DCE dropped a goal with two minutes left to give him a 19-12 lead, but Canberra still had a decent chance to win it after that. Got a converted try to put them within one. 
Then last play of the game, they get a penalty in. Jordan Rapana hits the worst effort at a two-point field goal you'll ever see. They barely got off the ground. Probably injured a few worms in flight. And yeah, you know, Manly got away with one then. I'll come to you on this one, Jed, but so we, Tommy Trevojevic has an injury. He wanted to play this week, but I, know, I guess on the result, you'd probably say yes. But was it the right decision to gamble and leave him out of the squad this week? 100% for me. I mean, if he injures himself and makes it out for work, like Jamie touched on, if he if he does it even worse, he's out for a season, then that's manly season effectively done. Um, it doesn't really mean anything. They're probably going to finish fifth regardless, depending on what the Roosters do. Um, it's, it's, it's the no-brainer for me. You don't need to play him when it's a game that you don't effectively need to guarantee a win. And I feel like a win for Manly without Tom Trebojevic will, will be more beneficial than winning with Tom Trebojevic because it'll show him that they can do it. They can grind out performances when he's not playing. So, yeah, 100% the best decision to leave him out and, and make sure that he's fit and instill confidence in the rest of the players who played in that game, mate. I'm with you there, mate. And at the end of the day, they got the two points anyway. So, you know, they didn't drop a, a crucial game or anything. Did them no harm. Let's finish off then, Jamie. To speak to you about Hudson Young versus Morgan Harper then. Oh, we love to see it, don't we? We absolutely love to see it. I think... Well, I keep saying this, but I, we're not going to be a podcast that's going to advocate bringing back the biff or start scrapping or anything, but it is always nice to see a bit of a good old niggle. Hudson Young seems to be at the forefront of these types of things quite often. Um, we know he's, he's a rugged young young uh, back row. I, I really like him as a spot-on player. And, and Morgan Harper as well, it seems to get stuck in as well. I just think it would be a bit daft once again. We say it quite often. Harper had already got over the line. Young, young did come in late and, and kind of held on as longer than he needed to be. We're obviously frustrated. He all got a bit of hand, all bit of handbag. No one could throw a punch anymore. So um, entertaining to see from the best of regards, but all just a bit daft, really, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely with you there. Just rounding up that one with my points then. Moses Suli with five, Matt Tomoko with four, Daily Cherubs with three, Amelia Lokuata with two, and Hudson Young with one. So he must have won the battle to squeeze a point in head of Harper. Now, I cast my eye over the next game as well. Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs 16 against Newcastle Knights 22. Another team, playoff chasing team, just about squeaked through. Knights are absolutely cruising. Jake Clifford ran the show, which Jed will be pleased to hear. And they were 22 6 up with 10 to play, but Doggies hit back with a couple of scores late on, got within six, and they actually had two plays from their own 20 to level up, but no dice. They didn't get anywhere with it. Newcastle fully deserved it for their attacking direction throughout, but I think it was probably fair for the doggies to get within a, a tight margin. You know, like we say, every single week, effort levels were there, just bit off with the execution. Had a few tough calls against them, but that's the, the wooden spoon fully confirmed for them now. And probably playoffs are about as good as sewn up for Newcastle, barring something pretty dramatic. And on them, like I said, pretty much secured the playoffs. But can they make a dent in these playoffs, do you think? Mate, I, 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 am, I said it a couple of weeks ago and it's yet to be fully confirmed, but when they play your boys, 6v7, they're going to knock you out. They're going to knock you out. Ponga's going to have an absolute ripper and he's going to knock you out. I think, I think if, if they play to the best and touch wood, they, they avoid injuries. Um, they're a top side of Newcastle, but he's, they, they've, they've had a horror show with injuries and they've had a bit of dipping form. They've got one of the hardest working packs in the league. They've got a somewhat special in the back, back line as well. I just fingers crossed to really hope they remain injury free, but the form that you boys are on at the minute and probably going to be going into the playoffs on, that, that's arguably going to be the best game of the, of the first round of playoffs, mate. And, and I know you've got something to say as well, Jed. Yeah, I just obviously, I'm not fully aware in my head. It depends how, how they finish, but if I totally agree, if it comes to the Eels versus Knights, I think Knights are having them every day of the week. And then if you go on to the following week, I believe it would probably be the loser of Storm Roosters if Roosters finish fourth. And if Storm put on a show and batter Roosters, I would not bet against the Knights doing the Roosters over as well. The down on troops and playing them after Storm have played them. You never know. It depends who you're going to play, but I wouldn't bet against Knights beating Roosters if that's how the, the fixtures would form it. Imagine Connor Watson knocking the Roosters out as he's just about to move to them as well. Be beautiful. Maybe a fun few weeks for the Eagles then. Jed, I'll throw this one back at you because I reckon you're more likely to have scored a bit of a wonder try than Jamie. No offence, mate, but talk to me about this Jaden Ockenball finish at the end of the game. Outrageous, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I saw the highlight of the try on social media. And at first, I saw it, I was like, and obviously he was saying what a try, and I saw it, I was like, no way has he scored that. The, the, the slight of hand to catch the ball and put it down one-handed before he goes dead is, is, is remarkable. And I think he, you only had to see the, the, the look on Ockenball's face that even he was quite shocked that he'd scored it. But yeah, brilliant, brilliant try. 
Um, I can't say I've scored many better than that. Um, but yeah, what what a finish. I, I just want to make two points here. First of all, I once scored a swan dive at university and it was arguably the greatest try in Huddersfield University Rugby League history. And second of all, it, it's funny, same as you, Jed, I, I, watched, I watched the highlights of this game and the kick itself is woeful. It's, it's almost going dead. It almost looks like a, a, an accurate Cooper Cronk type uh, kick where it looks beautiful, but it's, it's a pretty awful kick. But fair play to Jay Nockenberg for actually trusting himself, getting the ball and actually getting it down in, in one full swoop, mate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly with you, Jed. I just wanted to, to say that as well. He's had, had a tough few weeks, Nockenberg as well. Had a few dodgy performances, so great to see him get a decent try like that. Uh, my points from the game then, Jake Clifford with the five, David Clement with four, Connor Watson with three, Ryan James with two, and Mitch Barnett with one. Jed, read the score out for this next game for me, please. So it was Parramatta Eels 32, North Queensland Cowboys 16. I feel like the only way that Para could win at the moment was to face the Cowboys because they're the only team that can beat because we are absolutely awful. And to be honest, I don't think Para were, were amazing in this game. I feel like they capitalised on playing a really poor side. Um, but literally, it's the same week in, week out. The tries that we scored were through breaks. It wasn't through plays. I thought the hammer played really well. It was nice to see him have, have a good return. But you just, we just just really, really poor throughout. Para deserved to win. They were comfortable, um, but not amazing. Probably how they've played the last few weeks. It's probably the exact same as they played the last few weeks. Is they're playing against a really, really poor side. Um, our season's done. I want to get it over. Um, we've got nothing left to play for. Brisbane have now overtaken us, so we're now sitting 15th on the ladder. Um, yeah, really poor. I don't know what your thoughts on the game were, Woody. Happy to finally get a win again, mate. To be honest, we've had. Don't think we were great whatsoever, but playing one of the few teams who are worse than us at the minute, so we will take that because. Probably not going to get another win at this stage with uh, Storm and Panthers left and then probably two playoff games that will get slapped in. So, yeah, take it and run. I think, go on, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to bring up, Jed, obviously we've got our own little WhatsApp that we chat about and, and you were quite adamant about this after after the game. You were saying you wanted Peyton out. I know you had a bit of a smidgen of, of humour in there as well, but, you know, you seem quite quite passionate about that. You just feel as though it's not working for him. Um, I probably was saying it in the heat of the moment. Obviously, probably not the smartest decision. However, I will stand by that. I feel like the Cowboys have regressed since he joined. I think we're a worse side than last year. You did raise some valid points that you can't build a team in a, in a season, which is very true. However, we haven't built at all. We have gone backwards. So, for me, if it, if the next season goes, if there's not a dramatic improvement next season, then I feel like 100%, or even halfway through the season, I feel like he needs to go because we're, we're, we're so much worse than we want. With with when Green resigned last season, it's just I don't understand what the players as questionable decisions all the time, such as certain players being played out of position. Uh, Tamalolo not getting the best from him. You don't go from being one of the best, if not the best, lock in rugby league to not making a dent. I appreciate his had injuries, but just just too many things that don't add up for me. Um, and yeah, it, it's 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 not good enough. Um, but I will. Um, rescind my pitting out comments for now but however come back to me at round 10 in 2022 and I might very much be screaming it from the rooftops and I will throw out there lastly that it's a good job that the Tigers play the doggies otherwise I reckon it'd be six defeats for all of us to close the 2021 season and, and obviously a little extra ones for Woody in the playoffs Anyway, to wrap up my points on this game, Mitchell Moses completely controlled the game throughout, got five. Wanga Blake, who was excellent and absolutely destroyed us around the edges, and I think he got about 10 tackle busts. It was really, really good with four. Isaiah Papaliti with three. Hamiso Tabawai Fidal, uh, our only real decent player with two. Um, probably could say Val Holmes, but you could say that about Val Holmes every week. He tries and he tries. And Clint Gufferson with one. And to wrap up the final game of the weekend, it was the St. George Illawarra Dragons 22, Sydney Roosters 40. A high-scoring game, which you'd probably expect, especially from the Dragons. They know how to score, but they don't know how to stop them. Um, and it was pretty much the, the, the James Tedesco show. He absolutely run rings around him, as Woody touched on at the start of the of the, of the podcast. Um Roosters started strong and then Dragons came back and as always the, the Roosters just take it to another gear and I think scored three or maybe even four unanswered tries to to completely dump, put, put the game out of reach and they actually missed four conversions as well out of the eight so otherwise it, if they'd have got more it'd have been 48-22 which shows sort of the, the dominance that the, the, the had over the Dragons I'll just throw it over to you that's something that Griffin said in post-match Jamie about moving potentially Jack DeBell into captain what would your opinion on that be because it's a very much a contentious thing to say after everything that's gone on with Jack DeBell in the last few seasons 
Yeah, it's definitely a touchy subject. But I think if there's a club at the minute who's got about more than one player who's got a couple of touchy subjects, it's the Dragons. So I don't think there's many options even there. You could maybe look at someone like Andrew McCulloch. Um, but is he going to be there long term? I, I would be tempted to try and keep him at the club and because there's rumours he wants to leave, give it to Zach Lomax. Give it to Zach Lomax. If he wants to, he'll be there for a long time. He's an unbelievable player when he's able to play long term. Um, you know, I've seen rumours of Josh Maguire getting it. I've seen rumours of um, Jack Bird getting it. But all these blokes, you just don't, there could be one snap of the fingers away from another long-term ban. And everything that's gone on off the field this year, the Dragons, they just need some, some calmness in that camp. Jack DeBilla might be the guy that does it for him, but with everything, all the rigmarole that's going around at the minute with his court case, that's, that's obviously been null and voided. But yeah, I just don't think it'd be the best for them at the minute, mate. What about Ben Hunt? If he stays fit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's a case if you could always look at Ben Hunt and Andrew McCullough, but it, it depends what they're wanting out of a captain, doesn't it? If they want someone who's going to take them long-term into the next four or five seasons, Hunt and McCullough have probably maybe got one or two seasons left. But um, I know a lot of clubs like to do the leadership groups now anyway, don't they? Yeah, it's something that I think it's not just in NRL. Quite a lot of aspects of rugby league do have leadership groups and it seems to have worked. So maybe that'd be something to import, but they definitely need some sort of leadership in the back room there at the, the Dragons. Quickly over to you, Woody. You mentioned him as your player of the week. Anything further you'd like to have about the James Tedesco show that was this game? Just phenomenal, man. It's class to see him in full flight again. It's a joy to watch and hope we get to see the likes of fully fit Teddy versus fully fit Turbo at some point in the playoffs before the season's out. So that's going to be some show. I think pretty much every game in the playoffs will have unbelievable fullbacks battling out against each other. So whether it's Guffo, Ponga, Tedesco, Pappenhausen, Hines, it's we're absolutely spot for choice. So that'll be one thing to look forward to. Go on, Woody. Thanks for sneaking Guffo in there, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, I've got to give you something there. Um, and to wrap up my points on this game are uh, James Tedesco with the five points of course Isaac Lee was very very strong as he is every week with four uh, Daniel Tupu scored a very nice hat trick the giraffe bagging three points Jared Ware Hargrave with two and Corey Norman with one who probably had one of his better games but it was hard for him to do what he can do to his best when he was playing against the Roosters uh, with the one point I'll throw it over to you Jamie as we uh, go to Super League Yes, thank you very much, lads. That's NRL round 23 rounded up. Hopefully everybody appreciates that. We've, we've, we've cut that down a bit more just so we can get a few more talking topics in the world of rugby league out there. Coming on to Super League this past week, we're having a semi-clean clean bill of health in terms of the fixtures. We've only had one cancelled this week. That was the Warrington Wolves against the Catalan Dragons. Um, on the back of that, it was Leeds Rhinos 18, Huddersfield Giants 12, Wigan Warriors 2, St. Ellen's 26, Hull SC 23, Hull Kingston Rovers 22 in the Hull Derby. Big game there. Casford Tigers 23, Wakefield Trinity 18. Our, our losing streak against the Tigers continues. And Lee Centurions 32, Sulphur Red Devils 22, their first win of the season. Um, Woody, coming to you first, mate, just a couple of talking topics on the Super League. Obviously, it's known as Rivals Round this round. They, they, they're trying to push that a bit. What's your thoughts on it, mate? Obviously, there's... there's <laughs> I get what they're trying to do. I love the fact that they're trying to market the game a bit more, but it's it's difficult to brand it rivals round when you've probably only got about three fixtures in there that are classed as kind of local derbies. Yep, and the uh, tired old trope about the, the best derby in rugby league obviously gets wheeled out even more at this time. There's only one true derby and whatnot. I think it's decent on the whole, you know, it's good to try and get it off the ground. I think it's a shame that they couldn't all be televised, really, or, or more of them being televised. Majority of the games were pretty close. A few real good games. The whole derby especially was probably one of the, the games of the season. And it is probably worth uh, persevering with and trying to make it a bit more of it in future, especially once you know, you've got fans back in all the grounds and that. So, yeah, fair play for trying, I think. Obviously, Jed, we, we don't know the full logistics of how Sky works with the TV broadcasting and stuff. But obviously, after the Warrington-Catalan game got cancelled at short notice, everybody was kind of clamouring for them to get to the Leeds-Huddersfield game live. Um, purely because, obviously, if anyone was unaware, it was almost kind of like Rob Burrow night, just because it was um, the release of his new book and it was his first time in public for a long time. Similar thing to off the back of Woody, really. Super League is way, way behind in the fact that they need all games live, don't they, mate? Or at least some sort of sky presence at, at every game. We just have a complete inability to market it. And I, I don't know how much is that down to the RFL or it's down to Sky, maybe the lack of communication between the two. But this was a game that you should have really definitely a highlighted or being on telly, especially how much Rob Burrow did for the game of rugby league and how much he's doing at the moment now for obviously everything he's going through and a real inspirational figure. 
uh, to not have it, have the cameras there and, and to, 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 to cherish and treasure that moment, I think it's a really poor decision. And just to throw back to on Rivals Round, I didn't even know it was Rivals Round until I read the notes for the podcast, which shows how well the market is. I didn't have a clue, um, which shows that how poor we are marking it rugby league in this country when if you compare it to nrl no matter what it is you're fully aware of it the week before two weeks before that it's coming where it's beanies for brain cancer where it's women's round whether it's anything you know about it so it's something that definitely i feel like something that was done really well probably about four or five years ago but we seem to have slacked off massively and it's, it's really disappointing to see what's happening at wigan woody obviously they've had a they've had a bit of a topsy-turvy season they've lost a couple of key names in the past couple of years brought in a few average players um Still, to be fair, they're still having an half-decent season, but getting only two points and being trialless against your biggest rivals is quite worrying. Yeah, not much positive happening, that's for sure. And I saw they were running a, a bit of a Twitter competition before for the fans to pick their first try score from the game, so I assume that's going to be a rollover. Um, looking at it, Lamb's just, he's completely lost the fans, that for sure. <laughs> Probably the dressing room at the minute as well. It's looked like they've imploded. and They're so far off Saints and Catalans at the minute. So missing Bevan French, which is a big loss, but... I think the issues look like they go way beyond the squad that's available and I'd be surprised if there isn't a change of coach for next season and definitely if they do miss out on the top five and miss the playoffs which is a very big possibility at the minute Last but not least Jed Lee Cherry's picking up a win slightly worrying for us I think if we wouldn't have beaten Wire last week I'd have been a bit more bit more worried but obviously another loss for us against Cass um, we've not beaten them since 2014 I believe when we were actually at that game live Um Big win for Lee, mate, but yeah, slightly worrying for us. Uh, I thought it'd be the only win that they get all season. Um, yeah, really poor to not be cast. It's 16 losses in a row against Cast now. Just, I, d- I don't even want to watch the games when we play them anymore because I'm sick of losing to them. I can't think of a team that we've gone this long without beating, let alone to be our closest, closest and biggest rivals. But hopefully, we can pick up a. It's fair, a five-point defeat is, is not the end of the world. Cass are a good side on the day. Beat St. Ellen's, obviously, the week before. Um, so it seems to me a, a bit more of a, of a, of a team effort. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we could pick up a more few few more wins and, and, and lead up. Otherwise, it'd be a precarious situation. What would you have to say on it, Woody? Just on the leave for a minute, I'm reading earlier that Marlon, Marlon Kukash wants back in to team up with Derek Beaumont there, which I'm sure will be a quiet partnership if that does come to fruition. I didn't know that. Blooming heck, that's the last thing we need in game, to be fair. Blooming heck. Right, well, thank you very much for that, lads. Anybody else who, who wants to contribute to uh, to our podcast and Super League chat, feel free to drop us a message. Coming on to the naughty corner now, lads. We did bring this in last week. It's kind of highlighting the main disciplines of of the weekend. Um, not been too much, to be fair. We, we Especially last week, we had about five red cards. First one, we'll talk about Woody. I'll bounce it back to you. We, we, you know, we've just been talking about Wigan. Willie Iser, he's, he's, got, he's had this reputation for a lot of years now. In this game, it was pretty disgusting the way he was acting, wasn't it, really? And I, and I don't know how he, he hadn't got a, a long, long ban or even a red card from that. He was awful, mate. So, so grubby all game. And he had four penalties throughout and a, a few real dog shots on there. He was out there looking to injure people. Like, no argument about that. He's got a four-week ban, which he's probably very lucky. It's just that. And like, I have no idea how he didn't get a red during the game. You know, throwing kind of flying shoulders at players' heads who are prone on the floor and stuff. It's, it's just disgusting, some of the shots, you know. Bit of biff, fine. Big shots, fine and whatnot. But what he was going around doing is just not acceptable. And like you say, he has got that reputation and there's no wonder why, is there? Absolutely pathetic, mate. Especially in a game of rugby league when it's hard enough at best of times, never mind when someone's dog shotting you on the floor. Jed, Keon Cullen, Matangi and Luke Thompson have been uh, been done with the crusher tackles. What, what's your kind of thoughts on the kind of the, how the crusher tackles are managed at the minute? It's hard because... It's, I can't imagine this time where you've seen a crush attack on thought they've done that on purpose. It's very much just an unfortunate position that, that players sometimes find themselves in. Could they do a little bit more to maybe not put them in a precarious position? Obviously, it puts a lot of pressure on the neck and the spine. But I think it's, it's really difficult to, to, to sort of govern because they're, they're, they're accidental most of the time. It's just part and parcel of the game. I feel like it's probably governed well that they do obviously have reprimands for it that... It's sort of one of them, it's, it's really, really difficult that you'll never stamp it out just because of the, the nature of rugby league. Um, and yeah, it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one. What are your favourite spots on it, Jamie? Yeah, it's, it's hard because much like any rule in rugby league, players will take advantage of it in, in some regard. And I'm 100% on board. We need to protect the head and we need to protect the neck because 
all it takes is one dodgy tackle and you're in Alex beginning for the rest of your life, unfortunately. I don't, I don't want to refer to him in, in the verb sense, uh, sorry, in the noun sense, but it's just players need to stop playing on it. And, you know, truthfully, I didn't actually see the Luke Thompson crusher tackle. I did see the Keon Cullum Matangi. And players are backing in backwards, like like we've like we've mentioned, and, and it's difficult not to do it sometimes because you're trying to wrap the ball, you're trying to wrap the body, you're trying not to get an offload out. But it's, it's so difficult, and they can keep pinging it week in week out to try and reduce the crucial tackles, but it, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen sometimes. So I do feel for these blokes, and, and the, the you know the hefty suspensions, you know, two or three games, that's a big chunk. It's very Luke Thompson season's over. I think he's got has he got three games? I don't know if, if he has yet. I don't know if it's been confirmed, but. You know, if so, that's his season done now, and he can he can kind of relax on the beach. But yeah, fair play to to the judiciary system for keep rolling these out. Um, would it? We, he's come out today. It's broken out today. Curtis Scott has been sacked. His his contract has been terminated at the Canberra Raiders. He's a we talk we call it the naughty corner, but he's he's beyond that. He's he's becoming a bit of a rogue now in the game, and and I, I don't see where his path goes from here. Yeah, I don't know, Ivan. I think that's been coming for a while now, hasn't it? It's really fully deserved, really, since the, the nightclub incident and all the other bits and bobs. It's a shame, really, to, you know, looking like he's going to strike up a decent partnership with uh, Chris in the centres there. But yeah, I don't really know where he goes from there, but probably good riddance for the Raiders, really. I remember when he left the storm and thinking what a baffling decision that is because he was arguably one of the best centres in the competition when he left. But we all know that the storm build on character and not player. Play a um, play a value on the field, and now we know why. We know what type of bloke he is, and, and Craig Bellamy doesn't stand that. And it always comes out. It always comes out, doesn't it? Last but not least, on on this regard, Jed. Once again, I don't want to bring up too much bad bad blood, but Adam Elliott has been once again dropped by the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs for an off-field alcohol um, bad decision that he's made. Um, you've just got to be smart, aren't you, mate? As an NRL rugby league player. Yeah, I mean, the nature of the incident that is done, it's, you're always going to get found out about it, especially with the other person involved also being from the rugby league community playing for the Brisbane Broncos women. Just stupid. He's done stuff like this time and time again. He's just not thinking that it's not what he needs to start thinking, basically. And it's, yeah, just stupid, stupid, real. I mean, in, in there could be worse things, but it's, it's still bringing the game into disrepute, which is what you don't want, and just sort of backing up the stereotypes that people have of rugby league players. Um, and it's not something that the dog is, especially in the, the situation that they're in at the moment. They're obviously struggling. It's not something they need to be worrying themselves with. So, yeah, apart from Adam Elliott. Exactly, mate. They are struggling. And, you know, he's, he's a couple of games off 100 games for the Bulldogs and, and they need these type of blokes to be standing up for the club. You don't see this from Josh Jackson or, you know, Will Hoppawati or, or players like that. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Coming on to a bit more of a lighter topic now, lads. Transfer talk. We've had a couple of confirmed signings in the world of rugby league this week. We'll talk about the main ones. Jed, I might as well bounce it straight back to you first. Back over for us in England, Tom Lynham and Liam Nudd coming to Wakefield. Positive signings in my regard. Are you happy about them? Yeah, I think the decent signings. Um, it does raise questions about what players are probably going to leave now. Um, we've got Carl uh, Wood and Josh Wood, who are obviously both are hookers. Three hookers don't definitely don't go into one, or maybe two. Um, so one of them you would presume is going to leave. Um, and same, we've got quite a lot of wingers. Um, so I, I presume it's going to. Be, I hope it's not Tom Johnston. Um, but two, I don't know. We seem to follow a pattern. If it's not Tom's on the wing, it's Hoods Woods in, in the hooking position. I don't know if that's a new sort of tactic that they're employing. Uh, but yeah, good signings. Um, uh, probably would say Tom Lynham's a better signing than, than Liam Mudd. But I know you're quite a big fan of Liam Mudd, aren't you, Jamie? Yeah, funnily enough, I don't know if you remember, well early on in the season, I predicted him as kind of Lee's player to watch. I've always kind of liked him. He's, he's a proper hard, hard as nails hooker that I've always liked. He, I watched his interview he did on Wakefield Trinity TV. He lives in Wakefield, and I think he's, I think his wife maybe from Wakefield. I might be talking out my backside there, but I know he lives in Wakefield, which is always going to help him, obviously. If travelling to Lee every day must be a right task, but... He's 28, I believe, as well, or 29, late 20. So he's got a good couple of years left in the game. And I think it's a really solid signing for us. And, and Lineham as well, big body, um, hopefully can provide us with a lot of good kit return mate as well, which we sometimes struggle with sometimes. Um, coming back to the NRL, would it? Connor Watson to Sydney Roosters came out of absolutely nowhere. I think it was a decision made over a quick 24-hour period. But that is a top-tier signing for the Roosters, isn't it? Yeah, they've done really, really well to get him back and for less than what the Knights were offering. And Roosters have given him two years. Knights were offering him three with a bit more money as well. Massively versatile player. And from reading what he's been saying, it sounded you know, like a really difficult decision for him deciding on which contract to take. He 
isolated himself from the, the Knights players rip when he was deciding, but so he clearly got a, a lot of ambition again after overcoming all his injury problems and sure that's going to work out really well for both him and the Roosters. Definitely. Not not to big up anybody else's podcast, but if I'm going to, I'm going to do it for Matty Johns because he's a legend in the game. He actually had Connor Watson on the day after he announced he was going to sign and he asked him how it came about. Um, and I don't know if you've listened to this, but Connor Watson basically said he rang up Trent Robinson for a bit of advice because his contract was coming up at the Knights and he had a big offer coming from Super League. So he knew that Trent Robinson, who was his former coach at the Roosters, had coached over here and, get, and asked for some advice of, of would he come. Robinson said, no, I think you've got a lot more to offer in the game over here. I'd definitely stay in the NRL. And if the Knights are offering you good money, stay. And then he kind of pondered for a second and apparently he said, actually, let me ask Nick Politis if I can afford you over at the Roosters. 24 hours later, he was signing for the Roosters. So it's absolutely mad how, how, how this comes about. But um, Connor, Connor Watson kind of manifested his own dreams there. And I think he'll, I don't know where he's going to play yet. And obviously, we know what Connor Watson's like. Um, go on, go on, Jed. Would you not feel very aggrieved if you're a Knights fan or you're part of the Knights that you've given Connor Watson a second chance after Rooster didn't want him anymore because of injuries? And now you've offered him more money and a longer contract, but he's turning you down to go back to the club that initially got rid of him. You'd feel really peeved off if you were the Knights, especially if the Knights staff, wouldn't you? Yeah, man, definitely. And, and, you know, it comes down to the fact he probably just wants to win trophies. And is he going to win trophies at Knights compared to the Roosters? Not entirely sure. Obviously, we're also saying on this podcast, his best mates were Kale and Ponga. Um, and Ponga were absolutely filthy, apparently, just for the fact that these two have been best mates. They lived together in, in, in Newcastle. They're two of the best players. Um, but yeah, you definitely feel aggrieved. But fair play for Connor Watson for kind of taking the onus on himself there. Um, last but not least, I know it's more of a signing that I would want to talk about. I'm sure you can pass it back to me when you want, if you want, Jed. But Moses and by St. George of the Warrior Dragons. <sighs> not sure in, in terms of Tigers, I'm quite happy I've got him off the books, but a bit of a bit of a, a decent signing for the Dragons, but it's not really going to tear up any trees, is it? No, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, he, he, a fair play to Mozambique early in the season said, I'm not worth the money I'm being paid. I'll, I'll go somewhere else. He's not going to, I don't know, it's, it's one of them sort of jack of all trades, master of nothing, because he can he can play in so many positions, but he's not amazing in one position. It's, it's his downfall, really. Uh, he seems like a really genuine bloke. Maybe the type of character they need in the background at St. George. So maybe that could have a because I've I've never heard anyone say even when he's not been playing well everyone said he's a really lovely guy and the fact that he took the owner saying I'm not I'm, I'm not worth what I'm being paid speaks volumes about him so maybe he he's never he never puts in bad performances but he never like you said like sets the world alight if they can have a little bit of consistency maybe some average to good performances week in week out and maybe they've bought him for more to have that character and influence in the background he's been in the game in the game a while now so maybe. Bringing stability is is what St. George need at the moment. I don't know if you'd maybe second that, Jamie. Yeah, definitely. And, and thinking about it now, he's probably going to go in the number six jersey that Corey Norman will will um, leave for the Dragons, which could be a pretty steady partnership with him and Ben Hunt. We know Mbai can fill in anywhere that, that they need to, so if they recruit anymore as well, I think it, I think it will be fine. I think I think I've read that the Tigers are still paying him in three hundred eighty grand next year anyway, so he's not totally off our books. Um, I'm not sure how much the Dragons have got him on, but. Um, fair, fairly decent side. I'm, I'm glad he's staying in the NRL. I still think he's got a lot more to offer in the competition as well. So, coming to the physio room, lads, we talk about the main injuries of this past round. We've already spoke about Ronaldo Mulatalo fracturing his jaw. He is out for the season. That is a big, big loss for the Canola Sharks. But potentially even a bigger loss for a playoff club, would it, is Mike Acevo and his right knee. It's not been fully confirmed yet. Bit of a bit of a dodgy tackle, mate. But, you know, it's, it's been rumoured that he's, he's reportedly ruptured his MCL which would rule him out for the playoffs, I'd imagine, depending on his grading. But that would be a huge loss for you, mate. Yeah, it would be, like I said, looked a fairly nasty one. So, fingers crossed he recovered quickly. But I don't think we'll see him again this season. Um, assume Fergal will come straight back in. At this stage, I'm not sure it matters too much who we have on the wing anyway. But yeah, like I said, fingers crossed he recovers quickly. And it's, it's not too bad for him personally. But for the team, I, I've given up. <laughs> I love it. You, you, you've come on the podcast more recently. You've got more of a cynical view. You've taken on mine and Jed's views of, of Tigers and Cowboys fans. You, you're down to our level and I absolutely love it. It's, it's perfect. Poetic justice, Jed, in it more than anything else. Um, last but not least, Jed, obviously Tommy Lulai has been a, been a huge figure in kind of the game of, of Super League over the past 10 to 15 years. His season's done. He's torn his hamstring, but he has come out and said that he's probably going to play on for another year. Um, I think he's 36 at the minute. He'll be going on to 36, 37 next year. 
big loss for Wigan, isn't it, mate, coming into the back end of the season? It is a, is a huge part in, in terms of their defensive structure and in terms of what it can offer in attack. It's just their general. Everything goes from me. He's such a got excellent game management and, and he doesn't look out of place at his age. He's, he's still ticking on, doing very, very nice. Um, and I feel like I feel like for a long time he was the only Super League player that was still getting picked for New Zealand for like for, for a few years, um, still getting representative on his playing, which showed that the quality of player that he is. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a massive blow to them because he'll be a large vo- voice on the pitch. He organises everything. He is their general. So yeah, big blow for Wigan to tie in with their really poor run of form. And you won't be out of things saying that could be potentially their season now pretty much done. Obviously, they will get into the playoffs, I presume, but don't know whether they'll make a dent in it or what do you think would it? Just wanted to say to any Wigan fans that were tuning in this week that it won't always be fully negative about your club. Stick with it. There'll be some positive news soon. I mean if they can't deal with a couple of months of or a month or so of negativity, try being a wakey fan. So that's all I'll say to that. <laughs> um and last but not least I did I did actually gloss over this very briefly but it looks like Nat Butcher's um, potentially going to be out for the season as well. He's, he's done his left knee, he's done his meniscus. He might potentially be able to strap the open play on. I don't know the severity of it. Been a really good player for the Roosters this year, filling in for the likes of Lindsay Collins, who's been out for the season. Rate him and Egan Butcher as well, very much so. So hopefully, it's wishing a speedy recovery for him. Last but not least, I was going to mention Josh Dugan, um, but he's, he, to be fair, he's not really worth my time or our time. I think he's, he's, he's played his last card in the NRL. I think that's probably his career done. Um, but I really wanted to touch on Alex Glenn, lads. He's, he's been a he's been a huge figure for Brisbane this past well past ten years plus. But he's almost been a bit overshadowed a bit, and I won't say under the radar because he's you know he's, he's played for New Zealand, he's won premierships for Brisbane. But what a player, you know, he's led him through these dark times more recently, Jed. I'll pass it over to you first, mate. But in retiring, he's going to leave a bit of a void in the short term for Brisbane, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and I feel like maybe he could have had another season. It's a shame he do not get to 300 games. I think he's about 280. I think he, he, you don't really have him in that bracket, but three, four years ago, he was he, he was Dallium second rower of the year. He was the best second rower in the world. Real, real good player. And, and sort of like the prototype of what the, the second row in the NRL needs to do. Um, being a big, big figurehead in that, in that Brisbane dressing room for a long time now. Um, but yeah, someone's got big shoes to fill. And they've got a lot of young forwards coming through. I imagine that Brisbane are the type of club that you don't really ever leave. Uh, they very much cherish the, the 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 past players, and they're always involved. They have barbecues quite often, so it'll still be around, and hopefully, it'll still be um, a, a big voice or a big personality around the club and have a, an influence on the next generation of forwards coming through. You sound like you've been to a few of these barbecues, mate. Well, what can I say? I'm best mates with uh, with a few of the boys, and when I when I when I've got the time, I like to fly over and go. <laughs> Any thoughts on on Alex Glenn retiring, Woody? I bet it's uh, it's nice that someone else isn't going to pile on the misery for Parramatta. Yeah, it took the words out of my mouth, Jed. I was going to say, you know, it's a shame he couldn't squeeze past that 300 game mark, but there's loads for him to look back on fondly. You know, how he's conducted himself on and off the pitch for his time in Brisbane. See, the last few years have been too memorable for fond reasons, but great player to look up to for Brisbane or non-Brisbane fans and players. And his Broncos association will definitely remain past this season, so... Yeah, congrats to him on a great career. And I'm 99% sure he'll retire a one-club man as well. I don't think he's played for anyone else, has he? Not as far as I can think of. Fair play to him. Sending all our best wishes to Alex Glenn because I'm very sure he's listening to this podcast. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 101. That is right, 101 of Three Blocks and the Rugby League podcast. Head on over to all our social media pages where you'll find a variety of content which will hopefully pique your interest. Also, give us a rating on all our podcasting platforms if possible please in next week we will actually we'll, we will be providing a podcast service as we always do but we won't be talking about the games that have gone on next weekend i am actually going to climb mount snowden in wales so i don't fancy recording a podcast from the top of the mountain and jed and, and callum are just uh, callum jed and woody uh, just enjoying the last of what we regard as summer over here in the uk so um, we will be available on all podcasting platforms as per normal, but we've got a good schedule coming up. So this Thursday, we've got a seventh and eighth playoff preview coming up. We're going to highlight all the teams remaining in the NRL who can make them and, and the games that they've got left and what we think their chances will be. Next Monday, we have a special topic of the week podcast in which we talk about um, the potential change in the Super League structure, what we think we would rather do and how we would rather suit it ourselves. 
And then next Thursday, we have our top five under-the-radar players in the world of rugby league. We have created this model of the under-the-radar alarm on our, on our podcast historically, and I can stay historically now because we've got over 100 podcasts and we can kind of talk about our archive. Um, but yes, definitely, we've got a good schedule coming up, even though we'll be talking about the games that have gone on. Um, keeping out for all these podcasts in the future as well, or even dive into the archive as the likes of Tom Johnston, Barry McDermott, Adrian Morley, Emily Rudge, Jody Cunningham, Reese Lynn, and most recently, Tommy Makinson. We have released the 100th podcast. Thank you very much, Jed Amos Goddard. Thank you very much, Woody. My name is Jamie Robinson, and thank you for listening. We will catch you all down the road. <laughs>